Dear Micro Landscapes, with audacity and feeling and stolen voices from weeks and desires apart, I write you secretly, inhabited by a voice, a voice that slowly, laboriously, indecisively has been in search for an out. The succinctness of voices, the structures inherent in the power of voices, the often headlong momentum of language spoken in the gallery and the ascetic qualities of the language that pin and define me, that grip me, surrounded and inhabited by voices that speak to me. How derivative I am. This language about me, not of me, becomes me. Who gets to speak and why is the only question, says Chris Krauss. And so it is through others staking their claim I despair. Then one day the sky turned, the sidewalks moved, crowds ate me, noise ate me, voices eating me, the ground crumbled, I was swallowed, lost between bodies, bodies filling spaces, bodies watching you, watching me, I felt the bodies watching me, watching you. I listened to one voice after another, hoping to learn something. The things that people say about others to others, about others, when they think those others are not listening. I swallowed the voices of the bodies. I divided the voices into thoughts and sentences. Through these thoughts, these sentences, I realize my myopia and fall into further despair. Pessimistic in the way some people become in realizing the pointless kind of training merely being is. Repetitive being. But I have these thoughts, I have these sentences. And so this is the story of how the voices became my own and why I decided to pass them on. I have sensed you through time and space. I search for a pen, a pencil, in which to write this letter. I realize I do not have hands in which to hold a pen, a pencil, in which to write a letter. And so I send this letter through the air. I will this letter on with my knowing. I have moments of inspiration, more moments, revisions also. Slowly I learn to craft the voices. Towards you I move on the other side of the festival. My pretend hand pushes against the edge of the pretend paper fold. The words are enveloped. This speaking contained and sent to you as a package. But what is this letter then? A love letter? A kind of theoretical fiction? A lonely art phenomenology? Yes. Not merely informed by theory, or something that merely lends itself to a certain kind of theoretical reading. But where theory becomes a part of the plot, every letter is a love letter, writes Krauss. I am an art project in letter form, breaking out of my modular box and sovereign borders. Here I will select the details that form my affection. I continue to remind the audience that the art writing is fiction. I use situations and characters that they know are not real. I make it obvious that they are an image because it's all too easy to forget the impossible subjectivity of it all. I turn my experience of art, of myself, into a piece of writing and I automatically fictionalize my existence. I give a kind of life, 
a reality of myself that I did not have before. But I also take something away. I agonize over what to give and take. So I propose the whole reality of the art experience as a story, rather than propose the experience of art as a reality. Here we dance together in this story. I think about us meeting. What will I say? What will you say? I try to forget about what I know and focus on what I don't. The self is limiting. The self's subjectivity is narrow and repetitive. If I write about what I don't know, this means I begin to think about the world at large. I watch you. You use movement as the language in which to define your boundaries. You draw on the world around you, but it's a world unfamiliar to me. You give a voice to a parallel universe. I realize that I am familiar with it, but I am so familiar that I've forgotten it. You move with an ease that speaks your desire. You attend to minute detail. Your attention is to the micro, the micro landscape. I realize that by looking at you, the horizon is a foe, a myth, a trick. Through you, I look closely. I zoom in on the landscape. Together, we lose sight of the world. The sky loosens its grip on the sun, tapping back into the heat. The slight movements of a world at such proximity send up clouds of dust, shifting languorously, translating the breeze from today into motion, unfurling itself with an elegance as if preparing itself for me. Something big was coming is what the breeze said as it blew into my room. The breeze coming from you in shapes that replicate the pattern of your movements. At close inspection, the landscape and time abstract into patterns. I am mesmerized by your ability to move so beautifully, so luridly. You powerfully evoke voices. The rhythms of your language in dreamlike shapes are entranced under your spell. I think of the waves. The sun had not yet risen. The sea was indistinguishable from the sky, except that the sea was slightly creased, as if a cloth had wrinkles in it. Gradually as the sky widened, a dark line lay on the horizon, dividing the sea from the sky, and the grey cloth became barred, with thick strokes moving, one after another, beneath the surface, following each other, pursuing each other, perpetually. As they neared the shore, each bar rose, heaped itself, broke and swept a thin veil of white water across the sand. The wave paused, and then drew out again, sighing like a sleeper, whose breath comes and goes unconsciously. Gradually, the dark bar on the horizon became clear, as if the sediment in an old wine bottle had sunk and left the glass green. Behind it, too, the sky cleared as if the white sediment there had sunk or as if the arm of a woman couched beneath the horizon had risen a lamp and flat bars of white, green and yellow spread across the sky like the blades of a fan. Then she raised her lamp higher and the air seemed to become fibrous and to tear away at the green surface flickering and flaming in red and yellow fibres like the smoky fire that roars from a bonfire. Gradually the fires of the burning bonfire were fused into one haze, one incandescence which lifted the eighth of a woolen grey sky on top of it and turned it to a million atoms of soft blue. The surface of the sea slowly became transparent 
and lay rippling and sparkling until the dark strips were almost rubbed out. Slowly the arm that held the lamp raised it higher and then higher until a broad flame became visible. An arc of fire burnt on the rim of the horizon and all around it the sea blazed gold. Can't you see how similar you are? The use of similes to illuminate and abstract. Wolf embraces a language of unembarrassed lavishness. I realise I'm attracted to this kind of language or ornamentation. Wildly elaborate compound words, an extravagance of feeling, no detail is too small to attend to. She slowly puts herself further out from the micro to give us context. The light struck upon the trees in the garden, making one leaf transparent and then another. One bird chirped high up, there was pause. Another chirped lower down. The sun sharpened the walls in the house and rested like the tip of a fan upon a white blind and made a blue fingerprint of shadow under the leaf of the bedroom window. The blind stirred slightly, but all within was dim and unsubstantial. The birds sang their blank melody outside. Where do I watch you from? I watch you as a hovering presence. I move about observing you. I continuously shift my relationship to you, the micro landscape. I feel like I enter the landscape in a new way. I pay special attention to the cadence of each topographic mark, to the voice of mossy rumps, to the subtext and politics of human experience in landscape, and of course, what it all means in the context of this festival, what movement means as language, and what language means if it was not there to illuminate or draw a picture for us all. What is this language doing? What is the performance of this language? Looking now as one does through the reductive, slowed down replay of memory, I can see that I had forgotten how time worked. I had forgotten how distance worked. We've not actually spoken. We may never speak. I imagine we move around in units of time, decades and hours, days, minutes, years collapse in our embrace. Five days reduced to a single conversation. We misuse the little time we have. We make each of our existences palatable. Just knowing each other is there experiencing this. All this looking, all these voices. I don't want to tamper, invent or imagine, and yet I have done and I cannot not do it. That is the fictionalizing of moments. I take the content of myself, the world that content inhabits, the voices in the room, all the information around me becomes the directory and the handbook on the shelf that my imagination picks up. Two works in a landscape. Sincerely yours, The Second Woman. This fictional letter is part of the Ships in the Night project and has been written in response to Emma Fishwick's Micro Landscape, which features at the Northcote Town Hall from the 4th until 8th of May as part of the Next Wave Festival 2016. It is written, edited and produced by Kelly Fleetner and spoken by Holly McNaughton. 
Chips in the Night has been developed for Next Wave Festival 2016 and assisted by the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body and the Margaret Lawrence Bequest. It's part of an ongoing project called On the Beach, a new podcast that among other things is interested in the intersection of contemporary art practice and fiction. On the Beach is supported by the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria. Special thanks also to Ron McNaught for designing the Ships in the Night and the On the Beach websites, and Ronald Koo for creating this music. 